Everybody good? Thank you, Lord. Lord's good anyway, no matter what we are. Because He's good, we're good, right? Amen. The Lord's so good. Thank you, Lord. We just appreciate you, Lord. Mm. Yeah, all the time. All right, I'll try to be... I'll try to behave. I'm having a hard time behaving this morning. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's what the Lord really would like for all, all of us to have a hard time behaving. Because people behave too much in church in the wrong way. Of all places in the world, we should be able to come and have a good time, right? Church. Of course, some person's good time may be another person's bad time. <laughs> I realize that. I realize some people get offended by things, but uh, the Lord really wants to set us free. Amen? Freedom. Thank you, Lord. I've just got to get going here because I don't have much time, so I won't linger around this. All right, let's look at John 3, 3, okay? So what we're talking about is how God really wants to enable and empower the church to be able to see into his world. And this right here is one of the... This is John 3, 3. Jesus answered, talking to Nicodemus. This is a powerful scripture. I wish I had time. Well, I will tell you this. This is the scripture where the Lord really... Two years ago, 2005, in, I think, June, this is the scripture that the Lord really opened up to my heart when I read it. And Jesus answered and said to, to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? And this is what I realized at that moment. I had this revelation. I had one of those Kairos moments. Everybody knows what a Kairos moment is. It's a, it's a divine moment. It's a miracle moment. Uh, one of the words for time in the New Testament is Kairos. It's just a divine moment. And the moment was this. is I realized at that moment, when you're born again, you are given the ability to see the kingdom of heaven. That's what it says. And, I real, and the Lord said to me when I read it, he said, you don't see it, do you, Byron? That's what he said to me. I said, not really, Lord, not really. And that really launched me into this wonderful journey that I've been on for the last two years. Uh, that scripture right there, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was at the beach sitting on the porch one morning when I read it. And it really launched me into this whole world of see, of learning to see the kingdom of heaven. Actually, uh, probably three months earlier, uh, I'll never, i never forget this. I, we had out, went out and had a great day playing golf. It was a fun day, and we had my car was parked over at the what used to be the MCA High School building over on 150, uh, and uh, so I, the person who I was with dropped me off at my car, and I got in my car. And I knew the Lord wanted me to pray at that moment. And I had this prayer to come to my heart. And I said, Lord, you know, the real truth is, is I don't really, I think that my life should be focused on the kingdom of God. And I think that should be my vision for my life. But just to tell you the truth, Lord, I don't really understand the kingdom at all, really. I mean, I just don't understand it. I don't really understand what it is. I don't. And I just ask you to teach me about the kingdom of God. And that prayer, three months later, God began to answer that prayer when he spoke to me and says, you don't see it, do you? And I realized at that moment that God was saying to me, as you have these eyes in you, 
to be able to see the invisible kingdom. They were given to you when you were born again. It's a part of the package. And so I began this, this journey, in, uh, which I can't really tell you too much about, but I wanted to read uh, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Because this is so wonderful what God's doing right now. It said, this is, and Paul right here, he gives definition to what, the, he, he gives a name to those eyes. Okay, he gives us a name to the eyes to see that invisible kingdom. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Or the most more literally, the eyes of your heart. That's what Paul called them. That's the literal Greek. Understand there's heart. Is that God, you know, Paul, you know, Jesus says he gives us his eyes, and Paul said, and oh, by the way, the name of those eyes is the eyes of your heart, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the richest glory of his inheritance in the saints, uh, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. <laughs> it's just these wonderful things when you begin to see. These wonderful things begin to happen in your life. These wonderful things that belong to us. So um, Paul prayed that our eyes would be full of this light, that these, these eyes, these spiritual eyes would be open. They would be full of light. And that's what God's doing. He's teaching us how to have these eyes. And we, you know, know that, you know, repentance is really the, one, the, the beginning point. As you begin to repent, as you begin to change your mind about the way you think about things, and that is so critical because we have mindsets that are absolutely damaging us spiritually, that are keeping these eyes full of darkness. And, and you hear, uh, here's a great example. <laughs> okay, this is a, 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 an example. Someone said to me recently is they had, I had recommended this book to them to read called The Heavens Open. And they were saying, well, this person uh, uses gender when they talk about angels. That's what they said to me. They use gender. When they talk about angels, and that you know, and I thought the Bible said angels didn't have gender, uh, but you know what? When the women in uh, Matthew 28, when they rolled the stone away, this angel appeared, and guess what the Bible said about the angel? He said to them, the angel. He, the Bible uses gender. You know what I'm saying? See, we get these mental, we get these this mindset about things. Okay, that's a subtle thing. That's a small thing. But it is a mindset that will keep you out of seeing the kingdom of heaven. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? God wants to go after your mind. He wants you to change your mind and begin to realize maybe what you thought you knew, maybe what you thought you understood about the Bible is not necessarily what the Bible really teaches. But this person thought the Bible did not use his gender on angels. Okay, because that was sort of a stumbling point for them. But actually, the Bible does use gender. It used it right there in Matthew 20. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. So God really wants us to begin to see it. So we see repentance is really important. And then faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So, so, so repentance and faith coupled together cause these eyes of our heart to begin to open, begin to see these eyes that are given to us. Repentance coupled with faith enables us, empowers us to be able to see invisible things. And I promise you, if you'll begin to repent about things, if you'll begin to really walk by faith, you know, to, to see, see by faith, you'll begin to see things. The invisible world will begin to be open to you, and you'll begin to really access that world. And when we begin to see his world, we realize this world is at best a trash pile. <laughs> at best, compared to his world. His world is wonderful. And he wants us to see his world and experience his world. And that's just wonderful. Now, Matthew 6, 9 through 10, 
I'm sort of re just reviewing things with you right there, right here. All right, everybody knows this is the, the, the great prayer in the Bible. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what I'm seeing in this prayer, there's this pro progression. And it starts out with the revelation of God as Father. Okay? Now, see, that's really critical for us to really get. When, Je when Jesus was saying, pray our Father in heaven, he wasn't just saying, well, you need to pray to this Father who's up there in heaven. He wasn't just saying that. He was talking to them about the character and nature of God the Father, that the character and nature of God the Father is heavenly. Okay, that's what he was saying. Our Father, and he's a heavenly Father. And because he's heavenly and because we have been brought into his family. Now, this is where you've got to really make the, make, make the, the, the switch. In the natural realm, when a person's adopted into a family, they do not gain the biolo biological makeup of the family they're brought into. It, their biological makeup doesn't change. They still have the biological makeup of the family they were born, they were born naturally from. But when we're born into the kingdom, we are literally grafted in. Look at it like that. We are literally grafted into a plant. And we begin to draw from that plant, and we begin to get the very biology of that plant. And that plant is the Father, and He's heavenly. That's what Jesus was trying to say to you. Look, you've got to get a revelation that you have been placed into this family, and because spiritually you're placed in this family, you are beginning to get the, you, you get the DNA of this family. You get the biology of this family, the spiritual biology. And see, what we've got to realize as believers, we're heavenly. We're spiritual more than we are anything else. If somebody said, and they said, it, well, we're spiritual beings having an a, a earthly experience. Instead of, we're, instead of we're, see, we live at the opposite. We're earthly people and occasionally have an, a spiritual experience. That's not the way it really is. We are spiritual having an earthly experience. We're living a spiritual life out on this earth. And we have the same DNA, the same biology that the Heavenly Father has, which is spiritual and heavenly. And God wants to reveal Himself to people as the Father. And when, he, when you begin to see Him as your Father, your life will change in many ways. And it will bring many blessings to you. But it's not a mental knowing of it. Mental knowing of God as God as Father is okay. okay. You know, it's okay to know that. It's okay to know, you know, how to uh, do differential equations if you have ever done calculus before. But it doesn't do you a whole lot of good, you know, in life to know something mentally. But when you know it by revelation, when God, re when you begin to get a revelation, He's my Father, your life will begin to change. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's what God wants to do for, for people. And uh, so then, okay, back into that verse 9, uh, back up there one. It says, in this manner, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, this is, this is really something that the Lord's been just re revealing to me, you know, in the past several months. This whole, er this whole thing about, and I'm talking, on a, I'm talking personal now. Okay, so get out of your mind, worship at church, praise at church. I mean, you don't have to totally get out of your mind because it's part of But I'm talking about the, the, the thing of personal worship and praise as being another way that God wants to open the eyes of our heart. As we become 
people who really praise the Lord, and as we become people who really worship the Lord, something happens to us. And this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you this by experience. Is when I, I realize something in my life, that I'm, you know, a dedicated Bible reader. That's what I am. Every day I'm a dedicated Bible reader. I believe in reading the Bible every day. In fact, I have read the Bible every day of my life since I've been saved. I have not missed one day. Now, I'm not saying that as a brag, as a record. It's just when I even don't even have a Bible, I can read the Bible because I've got certain parts of the Bible memorized. To me, it's, a, it's my life. It's meat and potatoes. Okay, and I'm a big believer in praying, talking to God, spending time with God. But I realized something in my life a few months ago. You know, I don't really spend a lot of time on personal worship. You know? I don't spend a lot of time being, talking to the Lord and adoring Him, thanking Him, praising Him. And I realized something in my life. I realized that's something that God wants us to do. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed, you know, that's what, how do you pray? Well, you, you see Him as your Father... And then you begin to worship Him. You begin to praise Him. Okay? And as I began to put, put this into practice on a personal level, something started happening in my life. Something started changing in my life. In fact, things started changing in my life. My outlook started changing. My perspective started changing. I began to see things different. And I realized as I began to praise God and as I began to worship God in my quote, quiet time with the Lord, God began to do something and, and make a change in me. And what he did is he began to open the eyes of my heart in, in that way. Uh, put Acts uh, 2.25 through 20, 28 up there. Now this is powerful. This is a powerful scripture here. This is what David, King David, and King David's personal testimony about himself was this. This is his personal testimony. about what you know. The Bible says a lot about David. It says he was a prophet, He's a shepherd. But this is what David said about himself. The sweet psalmist of Israel. That's what he called himself. These are the words of David. What was that? 1 Samuel 23 or 29, something like that. 2 Samuel 23, verse 1. The sweet psalmist of Israel. In other words, David said the sweetness of his life, the wonder of his life, was because he was a personal worshiper of God. Okay, so that day he got all carried away and started dancing before the Lord and acting all vile. And it wasn't because he was trying to be vile. It was because that man had a worship inside of him that he had cultivated, he had lived out on a personal, intimate level with God. And so he happened to be in public one day and started doing what he was doing in private, and people got offended about it. Uh, but David says concerning the Lord, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be, be shaken. In other words, this is it. I want you to get this. Worship opens the eyes of our heart to see the Lord. To see him before us and to see him with us. Now that is not the purpose of worship. Okay, the, worship, purpose, the purpose of worship is, is for God. It's to adore him, to you know, glorify him. But the outcome for us, the byproduct, you know, there's a byproduct of things. The byproduct, you know, like your car, you put gas in it and drive it, there's a byproduct. Your car goes, but there's smoke that comes out of it. These days you can't see it, but it's still coming out of it. They just got it fixed where you can't see it anymore. Back in the old days, you could see it. Anyways, the byproduct of worship is the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart being opened. And there, there, become, there begins to be a change in your life when these eyes are open. You begin to see life differently. 
you begin to see people differently. You begin to see your situation in life differently. Because when your eyes of your heart are open, guess where you're seeing it from? You're seeing it from what the Bible says in Ephesians, being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You are seeing, that's what the eyes of the heart are. When they're open, you are seeing life, you are seeing situations, you are seeing people from God's perspective. It's rolled back, the veil's rolled back, and you see it the way God sees it instead of being stuck in this world. And I wanted to read this. I got time to read this. I want to read it to you. I was thinking about this verse this morning. It's read, read in the, uh, I'm going to stand out here for effect. You know, people do dramas and stuff. I ain't supposed to be standing on this speaker, but I don't care. You know, they told me, you can't be getting on these speakers. <laughs> but this is from the Message Bible, and it's John 8, 27. I don't have it up there, but I want to read it. Uh, Jesus said this, you're tied to the mundane. You're tied to the mundane. I'm in touch with what, with what is beyond your horizons. Whoa, isn't that good? I'm in touch with that world up there. Okay, you live in terms of what you see and touch. You live in terms of what you see and touch. That's what he was saying. That's what you live in terms of. That's what rules your life. Okay, I told you that you were missing God in all of this. In other words, he's saying, if you live in those terms, you are going to miss God. It's impossible not to. You're at a dead end. If we live in our lives in terms of what we see and hear, we're at a dead end. We're going to miss God every time. If you won't believe I am who I say I am, you're at the dead end of sins. You're missing God in your lives. Now, when we get the eyes of our heart opened, suddenly we're not stuck seeing it just in this world. We can see it from God's perspective, and no longer are we at a dead end in our life. You get in a fight with your wife. Well, that feels like a dead end to me. You're all mad. She's all mad. Nobody's happy. You're all grumpy. That's a dead end. Until you raise up and begin to see it from his perspective, and somebody's going to start repenting. Somebody's going to humble themselves. And usually the person that's the one who's seeing it is going to start repenting and humbling themselves. Because all of a sudden they're saying, this is ridiculous. How can I, why am I going to, are y'all with me this morning? I mean, this is what, and I'm telling you, worship and personal worship and personal praise will open your eyes. It will put you into heavenly places. That's what happened with David. Listen to the, let's look at Revelations 3, 7 through 8. It says, into the, this, is, this, is, this is powerful, man. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. Listen to this little phrase here in the Bible. He who has, uh, he who has the key, the key. I'm doing this, you know, secret sensitive thing this morning. I'm doing all kinds of props. And he who has the key, the key. Anybody here named David? He who has the key of David. That's the Lord. Uh, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. You know the Lord's open heaven? It's already open. Heaven's open. It was opened. It was open on the day that Jesus was baptized. The Bible says that heaven was literally torn open. That's what the literal Greek word what is there. There's two places that use that word. It's one when he was baptized. The other places when he died on the cross and it says the veil of the temple was ripped. 
was torn. That heaven was torn open then. God has given the church, God has given Christians the gate. We're the gatekeepers to that open heaven. Heaven's open. We all, we're the ones who have the gate to it. And here's, here's a key right here. Uh, turn it back there uh, to the first part. The key of David. What is the key of David? I mean, I mean there's probably been 70,000 sermons preached on that. And it has got to have something to do with worship. But I believe, really, it's the key of agreement. When we agree with God on something, then we have the key. Okay? Do y'all hear that? The key of agreement. That's how, how I'm learning about the key of David, because I've been really seeking this, because I like to be able to open things. I want the keys, Lord. You know, don't give me a new car and I ain't got a key or a new house. I ain't got a key to get in it. I'm going to break into it. You can't break into the kingdom. You've got to have the key. So God wants to give us this key of agreement. And what could be more agreeable to God than us praising Him and worshiping Him, literally? Now, that's agreeable. When we begin to say, oh, Lord, you're wonderful. You're great. Thank you for, and just make a list and begin to thank Him for things He's done in your life. It sounds, this sounds really simple. It's elementary, but it is profound, the effect it will have on your life. The days I begin praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord in my personal life are, are markedly different than the days that I don't because those are the days God begins to open up my eyes to see more and more. It's just another way. Um, let, me, uh, let me read the rest of that Acts 2.25. Uh, and just give you some of the benefits of praising and worshiping the Lord that David got. David, uh, go back to the Acts two twenty five, uh, Eric. David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he was at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Number one, situations will come in your life that will cause you to be afraid and be shook. Because David's eyes were open, because David was a worshiper, he was not shook when situations came that would shake normal people normal human beings. He just was able to... Therefore, my heart rejoiced. David had joy in his life. No matter what was going on, he had this re rejoice. And my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. In other words, it affected his natural man. His fleshly man was affected by what he was seeing. He was a happy guy. He was rejoicing in what God was doing. He wasn't waking up complaining and critical about everything. You know like a lot of us are. We cry, you know, complain about everything, but Jesus, he was rejoicing. Uh, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. Hades is a bad place. Literally, it is a very bad place. It's a place where departed souls go. Okay? Departed souls. That's the place that's sort of separated from God. And he was saying, that ain't God, if you feel separated from God this morning, God won't leave you there. That's what David was saying. David found out. He, was in, he literally walked through hell on earth in his life. He literally did. He was accused of everything, beat on, slapped down, you know, talked bad about, had to wall around and spit and carry on. But he knew the Lord wouldn't leave him in that situation. And now, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. He knew his life would not be corrupted. He knew the world could not corrupt him. He had a protection on him. That's a profound safety right there. Then he says, you made known to me the ways of life. That's what happens with a worshiper. God begins to reveal to him how to live your life, how to walk in the spiritual realm, how to live your order your life. Okay? And you will make me full of joy in your presence. Full of joy. 
full joy, which is something the church lacks, right? We sort of lack that. All right, let me just end on this. I'm at the end of, end of time. Are y'all good this morning? Do you want your eyes open this morning? Well, let me just say to you, if you want that, number one, repent. Okay? That's what you've got to start. And number two, you know that you've got to start walking by faith. You've got to start seeing by faith. You've got to let your faith go to work in your life. And number three, become a personal worshiper of God. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. Who cares what it looks like? Just start being a worshiper. But David also, or David or whoever wrote this particular psalm, I'm not sure that it's David. Psalm 100, verse 4 through 5. Let's put that up there right quick. Because I want to see in the invisible realm. That's where my world is lodged at. That's where your world is lodged at. Uh, Everybody knows this, but this is profound. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know one thing that Paul said in Romans 1.18, the reason people got messed up in their life, y'all should know this, they quit being thankful. They quit being thankful and became a dishonoring people and God removed himself from their minds. That's what it says. Read it. Read Romans 1. That's where homosexuality comes from. Read Romans 1. That's where it comes from. God left these people's minds. Their minds became darkened because they weren't thankful. So make a habit. One of the things I practically did, I don't do good at reading the Bible before I go to bed at night, honestly. Get sleepy, start you know falling asleep. So what I've tried to do is put in, in my life a practice before I go to bed at night, as I'm going to bed, is think about the things I can be thankful for that day, and just say, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you today that the electric the electric bill got paid. There were money to pay the electric bill. Hey, listen, let me tell you a little secret. I've been in a situation where I didn't have the money to pay the electric bill. So when you had the money to pay the electric bill, when you didn't, you get real thankful. But see, we start taking things like that for granted and start whining and complaining because it ain't cool enough in the house. I mean, come on. Thank you, Lord. It was 104 degrees and I was sitting in a cool house. You know? There's people who are dying out there in the heat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, that's right out of the Bible. You can't get any more clear than that. For the, all right, now, pretend for a minute... I don't have anything to be thankful about. Okay? I ain't got nothing to be thankful about in my life, which is a lie, but I can't think of anything to praise the Lord about. The great thing about this, it tells you to do it, and then it says, oh, and just in case you can't think of nothing, I'll tell you three things right off the bat. Number one, the Lord's good. You can just, if you can't think of something specific, if you had a hellish day of your life, if everybody hated you, if your wife left you, if your kids called you and said, I will never want to see you again, you can say, the Lord's good. I don't care what's happening in my life. God is good. And I thank you, Lord, that you're good. I just thank you. You're good. God's good. God's good. And when we begin to tell Him the truth, something happens to us. And that's what we need to do, is we need to quit being whiners. And we need to quit complaining and start saying, Lord, you're good. You're good, Lord. Always, no matter what, you're good. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to sit around and be crummy and miserable all my life. You're good. And And guess what else? It just so happens your mercies never come to an end. 
Because I can tell you that was the truth. Because God should have killed me a long time ago. But He has mercy on me every day of my life. He's just had real mercy on me. Mercy I didn't deserve because that's the way mercy is. So every day I can wake up and say, I got a breath today. And God's blessing me and God's doing things in my life for no reason. For no reason. I didn't do anything to get him. It's just because he's so full of mercy. So I can say, Lord, you're merciful. You're a merciful God. And his truth, or more literally, his faithfulness, he's faithful. He never deserts his people. It's impossible. And when we begin to do that and live that, something happens. And what it is is the eyes of your heart start opening up. Because somehow or another, God really likes that. It's agreeable to God. That's the key of David. It's agreement. We're agreeing with Him, with what He is and who He is. And things start changing in your life. And instead of being this person who wallows in criticism, negativism, skepticism, uh, you know, self-pity, self, you know, bad, all that stuff, think of whatever it is people have, to keep them out. When we begin to do that, our world changes. And the world out there around us changes. Are y'all hearing me this morning? I want eyes to see that world. Because that world's real. And I realize we get in situations in our life which, where this world tells us everything opposite of what I'm saying to you this morning. And it just beats us down and wears us out. But I'll tell you this, we can say this, no matter what happens, God's still good. God still loves us. God's still having mercy on us. God's still faithful and true to what He said in His Word. It never, He'll never go back. So I don't care. Whatever, anything else that's happening, I don't care. Eyes of your heart being open. Um, repent. Change your mind. Change your mind. Begin to live a life of faith. I told you last week the way you live a life of faith is quit being in control. Put your control down. Put your control down. Let go of your control. Some of you in here are controlling. God wants you to put your control down and begin to worship. Become a praiser. And when you do that, the eyes of your heart open and you start seeing invisible things. You start seeing the Holy Spirit. You start seeing things that you can't see with your natural eyes. And you begin to see what God's doing. You begin to see how wonderful Jesus is. And you begin to experience it. And then, people want what you got. Because that aroma of Christ is being released out of your life. That's the greatest way to evangelism. So the Lord wants to really help people with this. And I'll tell you this morning, I don't care what you're going through in your life. What I said to you this morning is the truth. And you can either base your life on that, or you can base your life like what Jesus said. You're stuck in the mundane. You live on this world's terms. Amen? So, yeah. Let's stand up. Y'all can do some music. Here's what I want us to do is I want to, uh, there's power and testimony. And so 
what I want to do is I want you to just turn with a couple of people that are right near you and just pray for one another. But before you pray, I want you to testify to one another about the goodness of God. You know, whether, if, whether the Lord has something, done something specifically for you this week or, or, or not. If you, if you, like Byron said, if you've run out of something to thank God for, the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His faithfulness endures through all generations. So let's just turn, let's turn and pray with each other right now. Just pray. Just thank God. Just begin to thank God with one another. Testify of His goodness. Yes, Lord. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. 